Book One, Chapter Ten of the Late Mr. Jonathan Wild the Great. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dennis Sayers. The Late Mr. Jonathan Wild the Great by Henry Fielding. Book One, Chapter Ten. A discovery of some matters concerning the chaste Leticia, which must wonderfully surprise, and perhaps affect our reader. Mr. Wilde was no sooner departed than the fair conqueress, opening the door of a closet, called forth a young gentleman whom she had there enclosed at the approach of the other. The name of this gallant was Tom Smirk. He was clerk to an attorney, and was indeed the greatest beau and the greatest favourite of the ladies at the end of the town where he lived, as we take dress to be the characteristic or efficient quality of a beau. We shall, instead of giving any character of this young gentleman, content ourselves with describing his dress only to our readers. He wore then a pair of white stockings on his legs and pumps on his feet. His buckles were a large piece of pinchbeck plate, which almost covered his whole foot. His breeches were of red plush, which hardly reached his knees. His waistcoat was a white dimity, richly embroidered with yellow silk, over which he wore a blue plush coat with metal buttons, a smart sleeve, and a cape reaching halfway down his back. His wig was of a brown colour, covering almost half his pate, on which was hung, on one side, a little laced hat, but cocked with great smartness. Such was the accomplished smirk, who, at his issuing forth from the closet, was received with open arms by the amiable Letitia. She addressed him by the tender name of Dear Tommy, and told him she had dismissed the odious creature whom her father intended for her husband, and had now nothing to interrupt her happiness with him. Here, reader, thou must pardon us if we stop a while to lament the capriciousness of nature in forming this charming part of the creation designed to complete the happiness of man, with their soft innocence to allay his ferocity, with their sprightliness to soothe his cares, and with their constant friendship to relieve all the troubles and disappointments which can happen to him. Seeing, then, that these are the blessings chiefly sought after and generally found in every wife, how must we lament that disposition in these lovely creatures which leads them to prefer in their favour those individuals of the other sex who do not seem intended by nature as so great a masterpiece. For surely, however useful they may be in the creation, as we are taught that nothing, not even a louse, is made in vain, yet these bows, even that most splendid and honoured part which in this our island nature loves to distinguish in red, are not, as some think, 
the noblest work of the Creator. For my part, let any man choose to himself two bows, let them be captains or colonels, as well-dressed men as ever lived, I would venture to oppose a single Sir Isaac Newton, a Shakespeare, a Milton, or perhaps some few others, to both these bows. Nay, I very much doubt whether it had not been better for the world in general that neither of these bows had ever been born than that it should have wanted the benefit arising to it from the labor of any one of those persons. If this be true, how melancholy must be the consideration that any single bow, especially if he have but half a yard of ribbon in his hat, shall weigh heavier in the scale of female affection than twenty Sir Isaac Newtons. How must our reader, who perhaps had wisely accounted for the resistance which the chaste Leticia had made to the violent addresses of the ravished, or rather ravishing, wild, from that lady's impregnable virtue. How must he blush, I say, to perceive her quit the strictness of her carriage, and abandon herself to those loose freedoms which she indulged to smirk. But, alas, when we discover all, as to preserve the fidelity of our history we must, when we relate that every familiarity had passed between them, and that the fair Leticia, for we must, in this single instance, imitate Virgil, when he drops the pious and the potter, and drop our favorite epithet of chaste, the fair Leticia had, I say, made smirk as happy as wild desired to be what must then be our reader's confusion we will therefore draw a curtain over this scene from that phylogeny which is in us and proceed to matters which instead of dishonouring the human species will greatly raise and ennoble it End of Book 1, Chapter 10 Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California For LibriVox